chapter 3. And uh, I skipped a section of scripture as we're making our way through a, a portrait of the book of, of the church through the book of Acts. Uh, I should have covered a section in chapter 2. So next week, we're going back to Acts chapter 2, verses 40, 42 through 46. So we're going to go backward. Uh, but the Lord has a word for us today. Somebody say amen. 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 In verse 4, we read of chapter 3. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Amen. 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 Father, in the powerful name of Jesus, you are our strength, and we love you today. Have your own way, we ask in, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. The blueprint for the church, a look at the New Testament church from the book of Acts. We have learned that we need to assume the position. We also have learned that we have to turn the power on. And today we're going to learn that your miracle is just a yes away. Your miracle is just a yes away. For 70 years, Queen Elizabeth II served as a monarch over the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. She died on September the 8th. 2022 at the age of 92. More than 26 million people in the United Kingdom tuned in to watch her funeral as it was televised, while millions of others around the world watched various aspects of Queen Elizabeth II's funeral and burial. Some 250,000 mourners stood for hours, some for more than 24 hours, just to walk past her draped casket. World leaders, dignitaries, politicians, public figures, and European royals were among the 2,000 attendees joining the royal family for Queen Elizabeth II's royal funeral inside of the Westminster's Abbey Church. Queen Elizabeth II's final resting place is at St. George's Chapel in a place called Windsor's Casket, uh, not casket, but castle. As regal, renowned, and esteemed, Queen Elizabeth II and her predecessors are whose names are forever etched into the chronicles of human history, 
None of their names have the authority and the power of the name that is above every name. Jesus was not buried in a cast, castle. His body was not placed in an English oak casket or celebrated at death by thousands of dignitaries. But just the mention of his name causes demons to tremble and the entire world to bow at his feet. There's supernatural power in the name of Jesus. As we revisit the formative years of the New Testament church, we will discover that the followers of Jesus understood something that we don't even consider many times in the current church, is that declaring the name of Jesus in our circumstances gives us authority and power because of the inherent unction that is in that name. When we use the name of Jesus, miracles are just a yes away. Tell somebody, my miracle is just a yes away. Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. There's a very powerful thing about the New Testament church. When we look at the blueprint, they came into their public gatherings for corporate worship expecting a miracle, expecting God to do something that he had not done, looking forward in anticipation for God to blow their minds again as Often it said, when, I, when we look back and we wonder, and the reason we wonder is because the God we serve is a wonder. Is he a wonder to you? Did you come to church this morning expecting something out of the ordinary? Did you come here today anticipating that God is not the God of routine? He is a God who works in mysterious ways and his wonders to perform. Some of us came to hear the singing. We cool with a little bit of praying and announcements, and we hope that the sermon is short so that we can get home and watch the Eagles get their Sunday morning kickoff. But I dare you today to allow your heart to be open to the possibilities that there's a miracle here for you today. I dare you to believe that God is simply waiting for your yes, and he will release to you that which is only made available through faith. And faith is simply believing that God is going to act like God. Anybody believe that today? Somebody say amen. I can't say yes for you, nor can you say yes for me. But when you are in a posture of humility and sensitivity to the move of God, God will release to you that which he has already in store. Now, when we come to this 
passage of Scripture in Acts chapter 3. The first thing that I want you to consider as a principle is that the place of your miracle can be anywhere. Say, the place of my miracle can happen anywhere. Now, the Scripture says in verse 1 that Peter and John, the apostles, went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, newsflash, again, miracles can happen anywhere. Now, they were heading to the temple that had scheduled prayer time. There was three times a day that you could pray on any day except the Sabbath. You could come to the temple at nine. You could come at three where not only were was prayer offered, but sacrifices. Or you could come when the sun was setting. Now, what's interesting as we unpack the passage is while Peter and John were en route to the temple, they had a plan, they had a purpose, and the purpose and the plan was for prayer, and that's a good thing to do. They never made it in. They were heading to the temple, but before they got there, something happened. In John chapter 20, the Bible says, uh, uh, verses 30 through 31, Jesus, uh, uh, the Bible says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these things were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have eternal life. So the scripture tells us that Christ performed many miracles. And on this day, when James and when Peter and John were heading to the temple, they had no idea how the Lord was going to abruptly reorganize their day. And the scripture says that Jesus... Our, our Lord and Savior, he performed many miracles, but many of the miracles that Jesus did are not recorded in the Bible, but the miracles that we need to see and know are here for us, and the purpose of every miracle, according to verse 31, is that we might know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing in him, we will have eternal life. So the purpose of a miracle is to point us, the miracles are signs that points us to Jesus, and they show us that he, in fact, is the God-man, that th and through him, we can have eternal life. Yeah. Now, watch this. In the New Testament, there's some 37 miracles recorded that Jesus actually performed and that the disciples witnessed. He, he performed many more, but there are only 37 written in, in the New Testament scriptures that reveal what Jesus did. And what's really significant to me, as I went through each of those miracles, I was shocked to discover that only three of the miracles occur in the place that we would call church. Only three of the miracles that Jesus performed occurred inside the church building inside the temple of the synagogue. And what that says to me is that, yeah, miracles do happen in church, and we should anticipate every time that we come that God is able and will release 
his miracles in our life, when the time is right, when we say yes, miracles are not restricted to getting to church. Aren't you glad that you can experience a miracle of the Lord wherever you are? And so they were on their way to the temple. They were intending to pray. But God had other ideas. I'm reminding a, 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 a reminded of blind Bartimaeus. He was on the side of the road. Uh, Jesus was leaving Jericho. And the Bible says that Jesus could not perform many miracles there. But as he was leaving, blind Bartimaeus who couldn't see, the Bible says he began to cry out, Jesus, thy son of David, Jesus, thy son of David. And somebody in the crowd says, shut up, you're too loud. Stop being ignorant, be quiet. And the more they told him to get quiet, the louder Bartimaeus became. And I want you to know that on that day, when miracles had not occurred because of unbelief in, Jer in Jericho, Jesus stopped by and he asked Bartimaeus, what would you have me to do? And he said, Jesus, I know you can, but will you give me my sight? He had his miracle released to him on the side of a road. Aren't you glad that the Lord can release a miracle on the side of a road? Luke chapter 7 talks about a woman who was born with fibroid, fibroid uh, tumors. And she'd been sick. The Bible says he had been hemorrhaging for 12 long years. And there was nothing that the doctors could do to reverse her condition, her medical condition, her female problems. She had run out of all of her money, run out of all of her insurance, run out of all of her options. But one day she heard that Jesus was in town. And the scripture says that Jesus was surrounded by a crowd. And in order to get to Jesus, the woman had to literally get on her hands and her knees, and she crawled and made her way. I don't know if they stepped on her hands. I don't know if they were spit on the ground. I don't know what was on. All I know is that she knew she needed a miracle, and her yes by her act of obedience made it possible for her to get to Jesus, and all she did was touch the hem of his garment. And on that day... A miracle was released. This didn't happen in the temple. This happened when Jesus was on his way to heal another man's daughter. You read the story about a funeral procession outside of the city of Nama. The funeral procession, they were taking a young man who had been dead, and they were carrying him to the cemetery, intending to bury him. He was his mother's only son. And the Bible says that Jesus stopped the funeral procession before they entered the cemetery. And he, the scripture says he was moved with compassion. And Jesus said, death, let him go. Death, loose him. And death had to obey the miracle-working Messiah called Jesus. And the young man was revived. Aren't you glad you don't have to wait to come to church to get, get your miracle? Yeah. Oh, you remember the story in Matthew chapter 4? Jesus uh, is it, 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 in the boat and he's sleeping and the ship that the disciples are on, it's about to sink and they are panicked. They've done everything they know to do and finally Peter wakes Jesus up. He said, Master, do you not care that we are perishing? I could just see Jesus waking up and moving, wiping the sleep from his eyes. And the Bible says he stood and he, he didn't yell. He didn't, he didn't have to blast. He just simply says, peace, be still. 
And the winds ceased from billowing, and the waves became calm, and the lightning stopped flashing because their miracle was simply a yes way. Your miracle can happen at any time, at any place. You don't have to wait to get to church. You can be driving in your car. And your miracle can be released. You can be at work just about to say those things that you shouldn't say, and your miracle can be released. Your miracle can be released, and that marriage that has been in the tomb longer than Lazarus has been in the tomb. He only was there for four days, but yours has been on, on, on embalming fluid for 30 years. The Lord can speak into your situation wherever you are, and he can release in a minute, in a moment, and immediately that which was holding you in bondage and keeping you from experiencing your full potential life, he can release your miracle. So the place where you're at doesn't determine or limit what God can do. I wonder if you came today expecting something special from the Lord. I'm just talking about a feeling. I'm talking about what you've been praying about. I'm talking about those doors that have been closed in your face. I'm talking about some doors that God wants to close in your face. I'm talking about a release of an answer. God has your answer today. It doesn't matter where you are. Your miracle is simply a prayer, a, a yes, a way. Peter and John intend to go to church. That's where miracles happen. Oh, no, the Lord is not restricted to a place. There was a problem that hindered them from getting into the temple. And hear me when I say this. The problem that you have is intended to become a platform for God's glory. The problem that you have can become, if you allow it, a platform for God's glory. It can become what you are being tested by can and should become your testimony. Your problem can become a platform for God's glory. So the problem we read about in verses 2 and 3, now the man who was lame from birth. They're being carried to the temple gate, who, had, uh, who, who, was, who was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple court. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Now, have you ever been trying to go someplace? You're running a little late. And everybody and their cousin decides to be on the road at 8.30 when you're going to church and you're late. And everybody decides, we ain't in no hurry. We got, this is our own funeral. So we're going to take our own good time. Have you ever experienced that? They were there for the 3 o'clock, three o'clock prayer time. They were awake for the first 15. We're having technical difficulties. What's going on here? Why isn't Sister Jackie doing her job and et cetera? But what we need to understand, God, what we consider an obstacle is really an opportunity that God has set before us. When we've done all that we're supposed to do to be punctual, to be in order, to, to follow our plan, and yet there are obstacles preventing it. 
what God is going to do is let the problem become a platform for you to give him glory. So the interference here was a man, the Bible says, was lame from birth. Look at his physical condition. He was crippled from the waist down. There was no muscle in his leg. There was no strength. There was no, there was no ability for him to walk. There was no uh, uh, the, the necessary uh, uh, blood flow into his ankles, into his feet. He was lame for 40 years. And so he was crippled, but he was also carried daily to the gate of the temple. He was totally dependent upon others for his livelihood. He was totally dependent upon others to get to wherever he had to go. He was crippled. He was carried. But he was also completely broke because the Bible says that he begged for money every single day. Whatever people were willing to give, that was how he survived on the delivery. So he was completely broke. But here's where it really gets deep. When you read the text, we read about a man who was lame, a man who'd been lame from birth, a man who was 40 years old, but you never hear the man's name. He goes nameless. He is identified or characterized by his condition. He's the lame man. <laughs> He's the layman. Isn't it interesting how when people do something to us, when they offend us, when they really hurt us, and we've held on to it, we've not moved on to it, the way we categorize them, we don't even refer to their name anymore. We refer to them based on what they did to us. He's a liar. He's a cheat. She's no good. And we can put fill in the blank with a whole bunch of other things. Isn't it interesting that when we consider who we are, the Lord said you are fearfully and you're wonderfully made. Instead of seeing ourselves from, the, from what God has said, we categorize ourselves as we look at who we are through the eyes of other people. And so instead of seeing ourselves as the, the Bible says that the Lord, we are the handiwork of the Lord. We are his masterpieces. We were created unto good works. Uh, and he said he did he, the works that he created us for. He did it before the foundation of the earth. But we're not looking at that. We're looking at what we can't do. We're looking at our past failures. We're looking at where we're lame. We're looking at when, what we can't accomplish. We're looking at what others think and say about us. I know I'm preaching. You all may be asleep out there, but I'm preaching right now. How do you categorize people that have hurt you? Are you guilty of prejudging folks based on their external appearance? Oh, goodness. Did you see all of those piercings? Did you see all of that? Did you see how long their hair is? They can't be saved. But men don't have hair that long. We don't put people in heaven and hell based on how we categorize them. We're judging people's hearts. And so when the scripture talks about this man, he was the lame man. How do you think about yourself? What do you emphasize? What do you focus on? Are you focusing on the fact that in Christ you are a new creation, old things have passed away? Or are you focusing on, oh, wretched man am I? Oh, we are wretched, but thank be to God that through Jesus Christ, we not only walk in victory, but we continue to experience it as we yield to him. 
He was crippled. He was carried, completely broke, and characterized, characterized by his condition. But the worst thing about it, he was comfortable. <laughs> this is what I do. I beg. This is what I do. I slay in front of the temple. This is what I do. I've never had a better job. I never had a good marriage. I never was able to uh, 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 accomplish any of the things that I plan to do. He was comfortable. Sometimes we can live a certain way for so long, even though it's not what God intended. Now you're comfortable in your stuff. You're comfortable in your carnality, comfortable in your mediocrity, comfortable in your averageness, comfortable where God never intended for you to be. This dude is comfortable. He had no hope of a better day. He had no expectations that something could happen for him. I've been praying. I prayed about that 10 years ago. It ain't going to happen for me. It happened for her. It happened for him. But it'll never happen for me. And so what we do, and this is really dangerous, you can get so comfortable that men, women become like men. Masculine and, and not looking after themselves. Yeah, I'm about, to go, I'm about to go viral right here. I ain't getting married, so why do I need to be pretty? Why do I need to uh, do anything special for myself? It would sure help you in the name of Jesus. Or, brother, I ain't getting married, but I'm going to keep on sleeping around. And that's sin. It's sin for us not to allow the power of God constantly to bring us to the place where Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. That word crucified is present. I am being, I'm already crucified, but I'm also mortifying, putting to death the deeds of the flesh every day. I'm never going to be comfortable where the Lord says, I'm not supposed to be. God did not call us to make this world our home. We're passing through. And a part of our Christian experience is the hard not life. We were made for this. Are you comfortable where you are as a wife? Are you comfortable where you are as a husband? She know me. I know her. I got her. She got me. What's, what do we need to change here? It's called growth. It's called development. It's called spiritual maturity. He was comfortable. Nothing, around, nothing like being around a bunch of comfortable Christians. They don't want their day interfered with. They got their schedule all planned. And don't call me after nine. Don't, I thank, thank you, God, that the Lord doesn't say we can't call him because we have a high priest who has been touched with the feelings of our weaknesses. The Bible says Jesus was tempted just like we are, but he didn't sin. That's why at midnight he said, come boldly, come confidently, come without hesitation because we have access to the God who give us, will give us grace and mercy to help us in a time of need. His physical condition was desperate. But it's interesting how his physical condition resembles ours. We were crippled by sin. And we've been carried by others praying for us where we deserve hell. We have a high priest who can pray for us even before we got saved. We were completely spiritually bankrupt. And we were like sheep without a shepherd. We were not seeking God. We were comfortable in our sin. But we thank the Lord. 
that he looked beyond our faults. Somebody ought to thank him right now that the Lord did not stop pursuing us, that the Lord noticed us at the gate, that the Lord noticed us in our comfort, that the Lord caused us to be uncomfortable. Now, here's, catch this. Why we miss our miracle before it even is offered to us. Here's how we miss our miracle. When Peter saw, when Peter and John saw, were about to enter the temple, the lame man asked for money. He thought that his real need was physical. Every dime that he ever collected for 40 years had not changed his condition. So what he really needed was not physical. And we, we, we miss out on what God wants to release to us because you think it's a man. You think it's your job. You think it's a bigger house. You think it's a nicer car. You think it, if, if, you, if you could get more, more outfits, if you could lose a couple LBs. No, no, no. The, the greatest need that we have isn't physical. It isn't money. You can get a bigger house and still be miserable. You can get a bigger house and still have a miserable marriage. You can get a bigger house and can't get along with your children. It's not physical. His greatest need, his deepest need was spiritual. And if you keep on focusing on the external, if you keep on thinking that your enemy is some human being, you will miss out on your miracle. You will not understand that the problem that you're facing, and I don't care how many jobs you, you get it, how many places you move to, if you don't deal with the problem by letting it become a platform for the glory of God, you're going to keep facing it. We miss our miracle because we think it's physical. Lord, straighten him out. Straighten her out. Oh, God, send fire down from heaven. Let them know I belong to you. Just don't let the fire hit me. The Bible says we have not because we ask for the wrong reason. Our motives are wrong. <laughs> they got a new one. <laughs> I should get one, too. I'm praying as I'm taking the third job so I can get what God is getting. No, no. If God is giving, you don't need a third job to get it. And so the scripture, the reason we have not is because we are praying for the wrong reason. The scripture also says, if you regard iniquity in your heart, God is not hearing you. Your miracle won't be released to you because you've got unforgiveness in your heart. You've got malice in your heart. You, you've allowed the Lord, you've allowed the sun and the moon and the stars and the years to go down on your anger. You're blocking your own miracle. You know how it is. We got our cell phone. I have a cell phone. But one of the greatest blessings of a cell phone is this thing called caller ID. Mm-hmm. When you get that call and you see that number, it may be a coworker, but you say, that's scam a call. <laughs> so what you're able to do is if you don't want to talk to that person anymore, you can do what? Block them. <laughs> now, my problem is I don't know how to unblock. But anyway, you can block them. <laughs> so what the scripture says, God, God, don't, God don't need no cell phone, but, but he knows when your motive isn't right. 
He knows when it's a scam call. God knows when you have iniquity in your heart, but you're praying. What God will do for that prayer request, he blocks it. Your, your, your prayer is blocked in heaven. And here's the super thing about it. God has said if you have sin in your heart and you don't repent, I'm not going to release anything to you. And you're still foolish enough to think that somehow he's going to unblock you. No, 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 you're blocking yourself now. Because you're denying the word of God. You can unblock yourself by repenting. You can unblock yourself by praying in confidence that when we ask God according to his will, he will do it. Are you blocked in heaven? Oh, Lord, have mercy. I don't want to be blocked in heaven when somebody's about to run head in, or head in into my car. I don't want to be blocked in heaven when I get that call late at night that something happened to one of my child. I don't want to be blocked when I'm crying out to God and I'm saying, Lord, loose him, release him, bind this thing, God. I don't want to be blocked. I don't know what you're going through, but we all are going through something. If God doesn't remove it, his purpose for that crippledness, his, his purpose for that, that delay is for you to use what you're going through as a platform to give God glory. The power of God for your miracle is released through the name of Jesus. He said, silver and gold. Now, here, here, we're going to get this. Oh, this is so important. This is why we're missing out on our blessing, too. The Bible says when the men asked Peter and John for money, it said he said they looked at him. When's the last time you made eye contact with anybody? They fixed their eyes on him. And then they said, look at us. Watch this. God wants to release your miracle, but you need to eliminate the distractions. Some people at church text messaging and tic-tacking. I know you ain't looking for no Bible verses. I don't have that many Bible verses in my sermon. You're distracted. When you should be praying at home and reading the word, you ain't fixing your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. And because while you're looking away, the miracle them passed you. It them passed you and went to somebody else. But you cool being cool. But God said, I got something better than cool. I got something called awesome. I got something called majestic. I got something called supreme. You know how you go and supersize stuff? <laughs> when you go down the window, you ain't getting no medium. You ain't getting no large. God says, I got supersized for you, but you're so distracted by your thoughts, by your fears. Who don't like me? Who do like me? Why they didn't do this? Why they didn't do that? You're distracted. And the scripture says, Peter and John said, look at us. Looking unto Jesus. Set your eyes on things that are above, not CNN, not reality TV, 
Our minds are so cluttered with distractions that we don't even know that we're missing the power of God that wants to be released in our lives. Fix your eyes on the Lord. Distractions. Distractions need to be removed before the power of God could be released. Expectations for temporal things need to be surrendered. He expected them to give him money. I'm telling you, stop coming to church just to be at church. Stop just reading your Bible. Christian, read your Bible. Christian, I had my devotions today. What did it do for you? What are your expectations? I'm expecting God to do something great and miraculous every single day. It might be my day. And if not mine, it may be your day. And I get to celebrate the power of God being released in your life. I know I'm preaching now, sis. Go on, go on, sis. Oh, yeah. Expectations for the temple. You ought to come to the church anticipating. We talking about where the people are. I ain't coming to no graveyard. Where's your passion? Where's your fire? Where's your expectation? Where's your dance for the Lord? Where are your holy hands? I take a smile. Clarification is also needed before this miracle can be released. Peter said, silver and gold, we don't have. We don't have no money. But he was also saying, what's about to go down? What's about to be released? This ain't no bishop. This ain't no apostle. This ain't no prophetess. This ain't no pastor. This ain't no elder. This ain't no deacon. This is a demonstration of the release of divine supernatural power on you. This is not silver. This ain't gold. This ain't us, bro. This ain't us. This ain't us. Oh, I take no credit for no miracle. I take no credit for anything that God is doing in your heart. It's the word. I'm simply an instrument. I'm an instrument. A declaration is needed. After you've got clarification and expectation and distraction, he's looking. He said, I declare in the name of Jesus Christ from Nazareth, get up. When is the last time you've declared that name? When is the last time you activated the power of God for miracles simply by saying in your circumstance, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, Jesus, somebody ought to call that name, Jesus, somebody ought to call that name. Oh, Jesus, the sweetest name I know. Jesus, Jesus said, if you're afraid to declare me before men, I will deny you before my Father in heaven. His name is Jesus. That's why people get upset when you pray in Jesus' name. They don't care if you pray in Buddha's name and Krishna's name and your cousin Pookie's name. Jesus' name upsets demons. Jesus' name will drive foolishness out of your house. Jesus' name will regulate your mind and allow you to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. Here's the hard part. Not only do you need declaration, expectation, 
concentration or, 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 or distractions being removed for clarification. You need to cooperate. You need cooperation. Say cooperation. He said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And he said, he took his hand. Now, that's the yes. You, he didn't have to respond by reaching his hand back. He could reach his hand. He couldn't move his leg. But he, he reached his hand. There's some miracles at the Lord. I want a brand new job. I want the God to, to just give me a, a, I can make more money. But you ain't tithing. <laughs> You're stealing from the Lord. You have no intention of changing. You, 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 you travel in the world. But you, but you want to, no, no, there's some cooperation here. The Lord said, I will open up the windows of heaven if you bring into my house the tithe. That's the promise of the Lord, the promise of God. Yeah. There's some things you need to take God's hand. Somebody said, uh, 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 they used to say, uh, trust God. Uh, uh, what is it? Let go and let God. Oh, no, no. Hold on as you're letting God. Hold on. This ain't no, he, Jesus said, uh, uh, work out your own soul salvation in fear and dream. You ain't working to get saved. You're working out what, you all, what God has already worked in. There's cooperation. He's not just going to bless you because you're his child. He know what would happen. You would never come back to church if he gave you that job. <laughs> Cooperation is needed for your, for your blessing, your miracle. He took him by the hand and he lifted him up. And immediately his feet and his ankle and his bones were released. Sometimes you got to dip seven times. <laughs> Elijah said, go to the Jordan and dip seven times. Not five, not six. <laughs> Sometimes you got to dip seven times. Somebody say amen. amen. Sometimes you got to get crazy for the Lord. Those four brothers who had their paralytic, their quadriplegic friend, they got to where Jesus was, but the house was packed. The church was packed. And so what they did, they climbed up on the roof, brother, Minister Lyons, and they began to tear, tear the, sh the shingles away. They began to tear a hole in the roof. They're going to see Jesus some kind of way because their miracle was with Jesus. And they got crazy. Have you ever gotten crazy for a miracle? Have you ever really been desperate? Have you ever been willing to not care what nobody else thought? Have you ever been willing to do whatever it takes if I can just Let's get at the feet of Jesus. They tore a hole in the roof and they lowered him down. And then Jesus played with the religious leaders. The man is lying before Jesus and I can just see the dust and, and particles from the roof falling down. And there he is. And Jesus said to the man, your sins are forgiven. And then the religious is saying, who in the world is he? Who can forgive sin but God? God. And then Jesus asked, he said, which is easier to say you're healed or your sins are forgiven? And got quiet. And he said, you're healed. And then the brother got up, arms working, hands working, legs working, everything working. But the most important thing was not that he moved from his paralysis, but that he gets saved. I'm almost done. The power of God is released through the name of Christ. Your problem can become the platform to glorify Christ. The place where you are doesn't determine if God's going to release your miracle. But when he does, you ought to do what this man did. He prays, our Lord. The Bible says the strength came in his leg, came in his ankles, and he began leaping. Can't jump too high no more. But he started leaping and jumping and praising God. And then he made his way into the temple. He had to sit outside the temple when he was lame. 
But now he's in the temple and he's leaping and he's praising God. I want you to know that your praise will give an opportunity for you to give the plan of salvation. And so when the folk, even the man who was healed, he didn't understand what, what had happened. The people were amazed and they wondered. And then Peter said, let me tell you what this is all about. He says, neither is there salvation in any other name given unto men whereby we must be saved. The scripture says, on that day when the miracle was released because this man said, yes, 5,000 were added to the church. I don't know what God has for you. Stand with me. But maybe he's waiting on your yes. Maybe he's waiting for you to say yes. Maybe you need to surrender in an area of your life that you've been holding on to. Maybe you need to lay before the Lord prostrate and just cry out to him and say, Lord, I'm crippled in my emotions. Lord, I'm tired of being carried around by my feelings. Lord, I have nothing to offer you. I'm completely, I'm, I'm, I'm bankrupt, oh God. I'm broke. Oh God, help me. Oh God, help me. People are calling me by my, my, my weakness. Fearful, prideful, angry, unforgettable. That's that unforgiving sister. That's that unforgiving brother. And I've become comfortable, but now God, I know even today, it doesn't matter the place. You can use my experience, my problem, all that I've gone through as a, as a platform, oh God. I'm going to tell people how you delivered me from my fear. I'm going to tell people how you delivered me from holding back, from celebrating you. Somebody ought to give him 30 minutes, 30 seconds of prayer. You ought to celebrate him right now. Your blessing might be being held back for your fear of praising God. You ought to praise him right now. Somebody give him 15 seconds of crazy praise. Thank him. Do you, do you have anything to be thankful for? Did he see you at the gate? <laughs> oh, he rescued me at the gate. Oh, he saw my condition. And he saved me. Somebody ought to give him praise. Is he worthy? Is he worthy? He's worthy. He's worthy of all our praise. Your miracle is just a prayer way. Amen. As every head is bowed,